Welcome to The Abundant Life with your host, me, Brandon Kelly. Welcome to episode 10 of The Abundant Life. So excited that you have joined me for the next 15 minutes as we dive into the book of John and find out what has happened with this Samaritan woman. If you've been with me since at least last week, we looked at the, um, the encounter that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman, and we stopped in the middle of it just because it's such a long, uh, a long passage that we just had to break it down into two. And I don't like doing that, but we did. And so before I get into the text, I will bring us back up to speed. So don't worry about that. I believe identity is a powerful thing. If you don't know what your identity is, then, well, you're going to have a hard time living out who God has created you to be. If you do know your identity, you'll know how to live out your purpose here on earth. And so identity is a powerful thing. When you do know what your identity is, it's a powerful thing because you can know exactly how you how you fit into God's mission here on earth. If you don't know what your identity is, then you're going to have a hard time knowing exactly what God has wired you to do here on earth. False identities, though, are probably even more powerful. False identities are powerful because in your own life, if you don't know who you are and you try to be someone else, then you're going to have a hard time doing that. And you're probably going to be running into a wall constantly and wondering why it is that you just have a funk. But at the same time, false identities in someone else, when you see someone, when you meet someone, and they have a false identity and you don't know it, that, that's really bad. But even more so, when you believe someone to be someone and they are not that someone, <laughs> that changes a lot too. And that's exactly what the Samaritan woman encountered when she encountered Jesus, when we talked about her, her last week, is she called him a prophet. She called him a prophet, and when she did that, she was acknowledging a maybe an aspect of who Jesus was, but it wasn't the full thing. She didn't get the full full picture. So in, in a sense, we could call that a false identity. You know, Jesus. You know, at the, on a business card, Jesus. And underneath it says, prophet. Well, that's not exactly what his business card would say. It would say more like Jesus, Savior, Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, Christ, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It would say something much better greater than a prophet. And so as we look at the text today, remember that we stopped last week with seeing that the Samaritan woman called Jesus a prophet. And we talked about how important it is to know the real Jesus. And so as we look at the text today, we're going to be going through John chapter 4, starting in verse 20 and really to the end of the chapter uh, but it's again, this is a large text, even though we've bro- broken it down into, into halves. Just remember that she has already called him a prophet, and yet Jesus points her to um, who she's expecting because she acknowledges that she's expecting and waiting for the Messiah to come and to deliver her and to deliver everyone else. 
So this is, this is where we come into this text. John chapter 4, starting in verse 20, this is what it says. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say, this is her still talking to Jesus, uh, on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. <laughs> Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Like He says that he has something that no one ever knows about. Who gave him some some pizza? You know, did he order some? Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish accomplish his work." That, that's deep. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For he, here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his words. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Do you realize that for that Samaritan woman, everything changed when she was confronted with her understanding of who Jesus was, when she said, I've been expecting someone greater, the Messiah, and Jesus says, I, who speak to you, am he. A little Yoda saying for you, or Yoda's way of saying things. Everything changed when she realized who Jesus really was. When Jesus Christ Jesus, Messiah, Jesus, Savior, became a reality to her. Everything changed. It wasn't any longer that she was talking to a prophet, someone who actually knew some things about her, but she ran the town when she found out that Jesus, the man she was talking to, was not just a prophet, but he was the Messiah, that he was the one to come, and that he was the one who was going to deliver them 
to something new. And so when she encountered Jesus, she ran to others, and people believed because of her testimony. And then when they had an interaction with Jesus, they went from interaction, and then she went from interaction to invitation, and then they sat at the feet of Jesus and learned from him for two days. For two days. Can you imagine being able to sit at the feet of Jesus for two whole days, listening to the words in which he's speaking, and seeing more and more people believe what he, who he is because of the words he's speaking, because of who he is saying he is to be, or he is, and, and just seeing what that's like. To me, that would be amazing. But when she was confronted with her false identity understanding of who Jesus was, everything changed. So I have to ask, for us, who do you believe Jesus to be? This has been a theme in, in, in John. Again, it's, it's the same application from other, other passages that we've been talking about. Who is Jesus in your mind? Are you interacting with a prophet or are you interacting with the Messiah? And who do you believe the Messiah to be? Because here's the interesting thing about the Jews and their understanding of the Messiah in the first century. They believed that he was going to be a political leader who was going to rise up, get them uh, away from Roman oppression, to rise them up to to the status of of kingdom, and for them to be a powerful nation again. And that's how the Messiah was going to deliver them. He wasn't going to deliver them in a way that he came to deliver them, to save them from their uh, from their sins. That's that's not what they were expecting, but that's what they got. Jesus brought something to them greater than what they were already expecting. So, you see, Messiah means that you were delivered no matter your past. This Samaritan woman had quite the past. She had been married and divorced about five times and was living with a man currently. She was living in sin. And yet when she found out that the Messiah had come, she didn't question whether or not she would be accepted by him. She ran to others and told them about who he is. Messiah means that you are delivered no matter your past. So what is your past? Are you, is, your, is your past holding you back from meeting the Messiah? If you were having an interaction with Jesus and he identified the sins in your life, would you run? Would you run away? Would you run and tell others about him and come back to him? What would your reaction be? Because I know a lot of people have a hard time getting past their past. And it's a tragedy because oftentimes this this idea of a false identity, an understanding of who you are, creates in you and in your relationship with God a barrier that you cannot get by unless you change the way you understand you to be. Here's the thing. If you believe that you are too bad to have an interaction with Jesus and to have him accept you, then you are mistaken. Because we all need to encounter the real Jesus. Because when we encounter the real Jesus, the one who, no matter what our past is, no matter what our present is, he will change our future. That's the thing with Jesus. He would always preach truth. 
but he would always go to the person first and minister to them. Yes, you have done this. In other places he said, go and sin no more. He called out her sin, but that didn't keep him from accepting her. So here's, here's the, the, the theme I see in this passage. Encounter, invite, time. You have an encounter with Jesus. You go invite others to have an encounter with him as well. And you spend all together with him. You spend some time with him. Community is so important. You have an encounter with Jesus. You invite other people to come and join you. And then you spend time with Jesus. This is the, this is the, uh, the cycle that we all go through each and every day. Encounter, invite, time. Are you encountering Jesus? Are you inviting others to join in that, that relationship? And are you spending time with Jesus? Is that your cycle each day? And I, that's my challenge to you is to make that, that theme reality for you today. Encounter, invite, time. Encounter, invite, time. Because knowing the real Jesus changes everything. It will change everything that you believe about God. It will change everything you believe about yourself. Because no longer do you see yourself as too bad, as too unworthy. You are those things. However, Jesus, this is the thing, Jesus is greater than your badness and he's greater than your unworthiness because he is greater than good and he is more worthy than worthy. He is greater than we can even describe, and Jesus can change everything about you and change everything in you. He can change your heart. So come to him with everything you have, holding nothing back, because he knows your past already. He knows your present already, and yet this is the crazy thing. He's willing to accept you still. But he requires everything from you. He requires you to not hold anything back from him for you to give him your whole life. You think that Samaritan woman continued in the sin she was living in? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Maybe she had some slip-ups. But folks, <laughs> she encountered the real Jesus. And we need to as well every single day. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on episode 10 of The Abundant Life. I've had fun. I hope you've had fun. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If it has, would you go on to iTunes and leave a rating and a review? You can also do that on Stitcher. That would be awesome because it will help this podcast get in front of more people so that they can begin to live the abundant life that Jesus brings us. I would so appreciate that. Also, you can subscribe on my website, brandonkelly.org. I have just released a four-week audio course plus daily devotional that covers all in all 28 days worth of content, and uh, it is a huge value, and it's free. All you have to do is go to brandonkelly.org free, and then just click the red button at the bottom, and that will uh, put you signed up, and I will send that link to you for the course straight to your email. Get signed up. Do it. It's going to be awesome. Have a great week.